Welcome back to another episode of the Walk on Red Shirts. This week, we are looking into week six, and I have William Cockrell back with us once again. Did you enjoy your uh, your, your bachelor party weekend? I enjoyed it. I was able to I was able to dabble in some football. I had to watch clumps on a recording. The recording ended before the game. I was able to conclude. And then while I was in the middle of the fourth quarter, I got the score update, which broke my heart because I wanted I wanted the suspense of knowing if we were going to win or not. Spoilers, we won. That was awesome. And we got the uh, – I think we set off Greg pretty well. He had a good old time out in Tampa Bay. Did, did the therm, thermos thermometer – I forget how we pronounce this. Did, how, did, how did that feel after the weekend? It felt pretty good. I mean, we were we – were, uh, we're tickling the ACC championship. We're tickling it just a little bit. You know, the the, the bad news of, of Riley Leonard going down and having that injury helps Clemson a lot. You never want something bad. I, you want the best circumstances, you know, everyone in their in their best state to fall apart for you to get back into your spot. But, you know, th- that bark stinks, but I think that, that gives Clemson a little bit more hope, especially with how they handled business against Syracuse. I'm feeling pretty good about that. And then Ohio State had a bye, so you can't throw picks, can't lose games, can't have 10 people on the field. You're good to go. Hey, I mean, you can always technically have 10 people on the field. <laughs> you know, Notre Dame, I don't know if they really believe in 11 or not. You know, the best part is that Notre Dame's currently ranked 10th. You know, just for the amount of players that they have on their defense. It makes sense that they put 12 out there. You know, got, got the 12 disciples. There's nothing religious about 10. So, I, 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 you know, come on, Notre Dame, do better. Add a guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, touchdown, touchdown Jesus would have appreciated that. Yeah. So, you know, it was uh, definitely for us, it was a different weekend. Neither of us got to watch as much football as we wanted to. So, you know, I spent a lot of my weekend, you know, reading, recapping, you know, watching the highlights, whatnot. But so there's still a lot of news that we can jump back into looking at last weekend. And, you know, I wanted to start with Colorado. You know, their comeback falls short. You know, USC, you know, scores 48 points. You know, they win 48 to 41. You know, what is your takeaway from this? Colorado USC game. I think this this game t- says more about USC than it does about Colorado. Not only did USC let them back in the game, I mean Colorado was scoring at will for a time. They couldn't stop the run, they couldn't stop the pass, they couldn't stop anything. And and that's kind of been, you know, the mantra of USC all year is that they just don't play good defense. And Colorado exposed that. I mean, USC was at a was at a massive lead and just let Colorado creep back into it. That I mean, yeah, USC may have laid off the gas a little bit offensively. But the defense just, just where, what is happening? I mean, and, and and Lincoln Riley comes out in the press today and says that Alec Grinch is his guy, you know, no doubt, all the trust in him. And it's like, man, you're either he's a phenomenal defense coordinator and y'all just can't get dudes at USC. There's no shot that's the case. Or he just can't freaking call a defense. He might be a great coach, but not a coordinator. And that's what I'm seeing out of this USC team. And, you know, hats off to Cal- Colorado. I mean, they could have quit you know, after what happened to him last week in Oregon or two weeks ago in Oregon, you know, but they bounced back on another big game without their best player. And it's like, Hey, we don't care that you think you're better than us. And we don't care what just happened to us a, a week ago. We're going to show up and you're going to have to kill us until the fourth quarter, you know, until the fourth quarter ends and hats off to them. Cowboy hats off to them. Yeah. You mentioned USC falling apart. USC was up 41 to 14 in the second half and proceeded to win this game. 48 to 41 like that is a collapse Colorado was doing whatever they wanted and they were scoring pretty quick 
you know, five plays, 75 yards, five plays, 75 yards, 11 plays, 61 yards, 10 plays, 78 yards. Like, you know, their first two drives that they scored touchdowns on are worth a total of 10 plays and under about, it was about two minutes and 35 seconds when you combine the two drives. For a new game that the clock moves quicker, that is lightning quick scoring in multiple plays under a minute and a half each time. So I have serious concerns about USC. You know, this weekend they play Arizona. I think Arizona is going to give them more of a fight than people are expecting because Arizona has shown the ability to move the ball. Arizona went toe-to-toe with Washington with their second-string quarterback. So, yeah, they should be scared. Yes, and the fact that USC went toe-to-toe with Arizona State, who is significantly worse than Arizona right now. I have concerns about USC. I put this out on Twitter the other day. I think USC loses two games the rest of this season. When you look at their schedule after this week, it is basically a bloodbath the rest of the way. They go to Notre Dame. They host Utah. They go to Cal. They host Washington. They go to UC or to Oregon, and then they host UCLA. I, I think hard ranked teams. And not only that, but they're never at a place for two weeks. They're going no. back and forth. I mean, that's tough. No, no, and. It's not like one of the way games is at UCLA where you're still in your backyard. You know, you're going to Berkeley. Yeah, it's not super far away, but still you're getting on a plane to go up to Berkeley. And Washington's offense is one of the most explosive in the country right now. Oregon has the ability to just, you know, run through their defense. I think Sam Hartman's going to have a pretty good day against their defense as well. Utah is an interesting one because there's, only have one loss, but we've seen their offense not be able to do anything without Cam rising. So is Utah going to be able to hold them to like 20 points and try to win that game? I don't know. They're good every other game. So this that it just depends on which, which Utah team you get. <laughs> if we got an even or an odd game. Yeah. But you're right. Like Caleb Williams might find a way to win the Heisman if they go undefeated because he has to score six touchdowns every game. Yeah, he, he has to play all four quarters. He's not going to be getting benched early. Like they've scored at least 40 points in every single game and they've scored 50, they scored 50 in the first three. They've scored 48 this past weekend. Like Notre Dame's defense, I think is going to pose significant challenges to USC. You saw Notre Dame be able to have a game plan to slow down Ohio state. Now granted Ohio state's offense is not nearly what USC's is right now. They don't have a reigning Heisman trophy winner on there. But Notre Dame has some dudes on that defense. They have some guys that are going to try to limit the passing attack. And I think Notre Dame has enough skill players on offense that they can they can win this game. You know, right now, if I'm gonna pick, I'm taking Notre Dame to win the, this game over USC. Oh, for sure. I'm taking them because have enough on I mean, you don't need much on offense to score on USC and their defense. I mean, ask Ohio State how hard it was to score 17 points against Notre Dame. I mean, those dudes, they're hitting you in the mouth all day long. And I, I can't wait for that game. That's going to be an exciting game. We're going to sign, you know, it's strength versus strength, you know, with USC's offense versus USC's defense. But, you know, to kind of to kind of segue from, you know, on Notre Dame, like, look at Duke. Look at Duke. I mean, Duke gave them everything they could handle and more. I mean, it took a last-minute run from Audrick Estime to, you know, help win that game. 
I'm, uh, uh, by the way, Audrey Castame, if you're listening to this, I know you are. You're an avid fan. I will no longer bet on your rushing totals to be higher than anything. You have now burned me twice. Two times. Burn me once. Shame on me. Burn me twice. Don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Audrey Gasme, I still really like him. I'm just not sure if he is the number one back in the country that people kind of were hyping up to be after the first couple of games. But I wanted to say one more thing about USC is they've already had their bye week. Oh, so they they have to play every single weekend again. The only weekend that they have off at this point is after Thanksgiving. Like they play UCLA on November 18th. Then they would get a bye week before the Pac-12 championship. And then like, you know, then they would play. So you have some incredibly physical games coming up when you talk about Notre Dame and Utah in back-to-back weeks. Those are probably two of the most physical defenses that you're going to face. And last year, Utah ran through USC with their physicality. Twice. So I'm wondering if, you know, back-to-back weeks, like are we going to see the defense fall apart once again? I think we are. I think we're going to see it back to back to back to back to back to weeks. It's going to happen every single week. It's just what does Caleb Williams do? Like, and, and Cal isn't a slouch either. I think Cal is better than probably what we give them credit for right now. You know, I, I don't want to think that Cal actually has a chance to beat USC, but I could see Cal giving them more of a fight because Arizona State gave him a fight. If Arizona State can give USC a fight, like, who can't? Stanford's the only one that can't in the Pac-12 because Stanford's absolutely terrible. But I could absolutely see Cal pushing this game longer than it should. Oh, for sure. I mean, look what they did with Auburn, who just went toe-to-toe absolutely. with Georgia. I mean, yeah, future ACC Cal, they don't, they, they're not a slouch. Can't just roll over them. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, want to touch on Duke there a little bit. You know, that game, I, I think that we all thought Duke was going to be involved. I think that a lot of people thought that there was a chance Notre Dame would find a way to get out of that earlier than they did. And then here we are late in the game. Duke has a chance to win it. And unfortunately, Audrey Gastame just found a hole. Yeah, that was Duke's game to lose. And, and and the most unfortunate thing, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier, was, was Riley Leonard going down. Last possession that they had and hurting his ankle. Uh, that just stinks because you love watching him, the competitor that he is. I mean, I know he didn't, he didn't let up the stat sheet, but – Good God, it, it, does he make that offense fun to watch? I mean, he's just so gritty. And he put his, he literally put his body on the line to win that game. And, and they really should have. I mean, Notre Dame snuck out of that one. So hats off to Duke. They're legit. I thought they were going to get blown out. I didn't think they were going to be able to, to hang around the physicality of Notre Dame. So hats off to them. I, I was completely wrong on that. I was completely wrong on a lot of things last week, Jake. Yeah, it's it was interesting because so Notre Dame scores on the first drive of the game and they score on the last drive of the game. They go 95 yards and 95 yards in a minute and a half or two and a half minutes is not an easy thing to do because the pressure's on you. I, I know it's Duke, so it's not like you're playing in front of 110,000, but the pressure's still on. And I think for Notre Dame, that's where having the 60-year quarterback is huge because you have a guy that's been in this situation before. You know, if that's Tyler Buckner out there, there's no chance they win this game. No, I think they, I don't think they score a point, but I, I'll also add to make, to, to also, you know, to for kudos for Sam Hartman and have an experienced guy. They were down there, two best receivers, Jaden, Jaden Greathouse and 
the other guy's name is, is slipping me, were both out. They were out with injuries and didn't play in that game. So you're down, you already have a thin wide receiver core and you're down your two best guys and you're still able to score 21 points on a very stingy Duke defense. I mean, hats off to, to Sam Hartman, Sammy McRib. Mitchell Evans has become a, a serious receiving threat for them. You know, he actually, he doesn't have a touchdown this year, but he's got 272 receiving yards. You know, he was the primary threat for Notre Dame. He had 134 yards against Duke. Just was a, a guy who was reliable. You, you know, it's not like he had 134 yards and 80 of them came along play. His long was 36. He was a guy that was reliable for Sam Hartman because Audrey Gaspian was the second leading receiver in terms of receptions hmm. because it was Mitchell Evans with six catches for 134 yards. Chris Tyree with two for 28 Rico Flores for two for 28 Audrey Estime four for 25 and Jeremiah love one for seven. Jeremiah love is also a running back. So when they threw the ball, they were going to Mitchell Evans. And I think for the rest of the year, you know, he is going to be a matchup nightmare. He's proving himself to be, he did well against Ohio state as well, where he also had, I think he had another 80 yards against Ohio state. So two straight weeks, he's been come, Sam Hartman's favorite target and Notre Dame has a history of good tight ends. And I think he is just the next good one in that line. She does. And that's not fair. <laughs> you could have been a good tight end for Notre Dame. <laughs> Jane Thomas is who I was thinking of, by the way. The that's yes. And you know, Notre Dame's defense credit to them. They did a really good job of shutting down Riley Leonard in the past game. Riley Leonard was the re- leading rusher for Duke with 88 yards. You know, like we thought, I thought, Leonard was going to use his legs to try to help move the ball. And he did. He had 18 carries through the air. He only had 134 passing yards. So Notre Dame secondary continues to prove that they are one of the best in the country. And next week, or, you know, we're a little over a week away from them facing USC, which is going to be Caleb Williams biggest test this season. Get ready. That is going to be a phenomenal matchup, and I cannot wait for that one. <laughs> the last one I wanted to talk about here in terms of magnitude was Georgia sh- struggles again. You know, they go on the road to Auburn. Auburn, which a team nobody really thought was going to be good this year, and I still don't think they're going to be very good. You know, this game went down to the wire. Georgia only wins by seven points on the road, and Auburn was up early in this game. Auburn went up 10 nothing over Georgia. Yeah, you know, unless – let me correct you real quick, Jake. Georgia didn't didn't win. Brock Bowers won. Yeah, Brock Bowers is, you know, if you think Mitchell Evans is a good tight end, Brock Bowers is three times the tight end. And that's not no discredit to Mitchell Evans. Brock Bowers is just that, that good. It's not fair. Like, eight catches, 157 yards from Brock Bowers, clearly the best player on that team. And, like, are there concerns for Georgia, or is this just a hangover for them? Absolutely. They're going to, they're going to wake up. I mean, you're not going to have every, every game where your star tight end is going to have four catches for 121 yards and a touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter alone. So that that's not normal. And, and quite frankly, like there's going to be a lot better defenses that, well, no, no, there's not. Never mind. I, I may take that back because they don't play anybody this year, but against Ole Miss, I don't think that's going to fly. Again, maybe not even against Tennessee, but especially not against Ole Miss, a, a team that can score. Almost at will. I mean, they, they weren't able to do that against Alabama, but look what they just did last week. I mean, they hit the half century mark. So you better wake up. 
Yeah, I mean, there's still a couple games here that are going to be some pretty big question marks. You know, they have four ranked teams left on their schedule. Kentucky this weekend comes into town. Now they do get three or four, three of four of them at home. Kentucky, Missouri, and Ole Miss are at home at, on the road at Tennessee. I, I think Kentucky, I just don't think they have the firepower to try to put up a fight with Georgia. No, I, I'm I not don't. sure they're a team that can hold down Georgia's guilt players too long. I, I think Kentucky can make it interesting, but unfortunately, like last year, Kentucky, you know, they had Will Levis. They had some good skilled players on the team. They just weren't able to get the ball down the field. And Missouri, I'm still not sold on Missouri. I, I think, you know, Luther Burden is a great wide receiver. I'm interested to see what he does against the Georgia defense. You know, you got the world's largest cocktail party still coming up against Florida. And now, granted, Florida just got boat raced by, you know, Kentucky, but. Billy Napier could be having a warm seat at that point. And if you go in there and, you know, beat Georgia, all of a sudden script gets flipped real fast. Yeah. And like, uh, let's, let's be, let's be brutally honest with this Georgia team. Carson Beck is not bad, but he's not great. They don't have the running game that they're used to having. They just don't. Nick Chubb's not walking through those doors. DeAndre, DeAndre Swift is not walking through those doors. They don't have the guy running the football and they don't have a stud at wide receiver. They just don't. Brock Bowers is that offense. and But I, to give credit where credit is due, Carson Beck struggled early against Auburn. He threw a pick, and he just kept coming back, kept hitting Brock Bowers over and over and over again uh, towards the end of the game. But, like, he didn't seem rattled. You're in Auburn. It's loud. I mean, they are up 10, like you said, and he just keeps showing up and playing like he'd been there before, and he hasn't. So that, that did impress me a little bit. And that Georgia defense still – I mean, they're pretty good. Georgia as a team averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Edwards had 76 yards, two touchdowns, averaged 4.0 yard, yards per carry. Dylan Bell averaged 6.3 yards per carry. Like, they're just not having the consistent rushing attack they're used to. You know, I thought that this was just going to continue because it's Georgia. You know, they run the ball. They're, you know, physical up front. They create the holes. You know, they just... They rush the ball. They're going to rush it for 200 yards a game. And they have one running back with over 200. They take that back. They have one running back over 100 rushing yards. It's Edwards with 200 and some yards. And I think we're used to them doing running back by committee, but seeing the committee have success. And that just isn't happening right now. And I think from a philosophy standpoint, sometimes when when you're expected to be really good, you have to find ways to motivate yourself. And I think that's why Kirby Smart tries to play these mind games of, you know, we're, you know, people are doubting us, you know, every team should be ranked, you know, look how hard our schedule is, you know, yada, yada, yada. You, you almost have to play this psychological war games with your team because they're two-time defending national champions. If you're a junior right now, all you know is winning national championships you don't know anything else. You know that the expectation is right, right now that you're just going to make it to the national championship game. And you don't understand what the guys before you had to do to build it, to get there. And if you're a senior right now, same thing, you had one year where you weren't a national championship. And I don't know like the philosophy can be tough from an outside perspective because these guys are just so used to what the expectation is, especially around Georgia right now. It's, you're going to win a national championship. That's that's your job. Your job is to go and win a national championship. 
So like if you had went to talk to some of the guys and maybe were a senior when they beat Alabama for the national championship, I think you would have a very different mindset from coming from these players. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and they're going to have to wake up and, and play a lot better. I mean, and don't, don't forget just a week prior, they struggled or two weeks prior, they struggled against South Carolina who has not looked good this year. So yeah, they, 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 they need to, it's not time to panic, but it's, I'm not feeling good if I'm a, if I'm a Georgia fan right now. Now, Georgia also struggled last year. They they nearly lost to Missouri earlier in the year. Kent State gave them all they could handle, you know, in September as well. And, you know, maybe, maybe they do turn this around. I still think that Georgia goes 12-0. I still think they find a way to win the national – to I don't want to say win the national championship. But I think they find a way to make the SEC championship for sure, which should lead to a playoff appearance. But it just does not seem like this Georgia team is playing at the level that some of the previous ones have. So – Want to jump into week six here. We got a good slate here. We have a very, very important game. We have whatever you want to call the Red River shootout, showdown, rivalry, Texas versus Oklahoma. They're playing at the Texas State Fair. I don't know. There's like a billion names for this rivalry. And it annoyed me because I thought that it was always called the Red River shootout. And then I saw it was showdown. And then I saw it was rivalry. And I just gave up on trying to get the name right. So it used to be shootout. And then PC people took over and said, you gotta change it so it changed the showdown. It's it's all of them. The more you know. Rivalry showdown shootout. Anyways, Quinn Ewers is gonna play Dylan Gabriel, and I'm really annoyed that I'm going to the Ohio State Maryland game because this might be the coolest <laughs> game out of all of them because it's the first time they've both been undefeated at least five and zero since 2008, and Oklahoma got absolutely the doors blown off last year. So I know Dylan Gabriel and company want to come back from this do you think that oklahoma stands a chance or do you think that texas repeats last year i so i don't think they repeat from last year but i do think they stand a chance but i don't think they stand much of a chance oklahoma hasn't really played anybody this year to the positive side of that you know you can't control who you play against jake and they have the 30th best defense in the country that's awesome they have the eighth best offense in the country or ninth best offense in the country that's awesome but you, you go and you look at their 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 schedule, and it's like you've played Tulsa, you've played Cincinnati, you've played SMU. It's like you know, you've played Iowa State. There's not really anybody to write home about right there. I mean, no, none of those teams are ranked. None of those teams are are world beaters. You're finding one at the Texas State Fair this weekend. But with all that being said, you take that stuff, throw it out the window. This is a rivalry game. And I know it's so cliche to say, but you really, really, really have to do that in this game. I mean, there's been times where Texas has been dead and Oklahoma's been great. And Texas somehow, I mean, remember old Dicker the kicker comes out and saves the day against them against Oklahoma. And Dicker the kicker. (laughs) I could hear Gus Johnson Johnson say that all day long and just be so happy. You can never never just say, oh, Texas is number three team in the country. They're going to wipe the floor with them. However, I think Texas does beat them and beats them pretty handily. It's going to be a double-digit game, I think, but I think Oklahoma's going to, going to turn some heads. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's healthy. He wasn't healthy last year during the game. I think that's a big a big difference for that offense. Brent Venables has his guy in there. He's got a system implemented. Last year was his first year. Everybody wanted to fire him. You know, Let's see what happens. I, I, I think Oklahoma's going to prove something to everybody, but I think Texas is going to prove more. I think Texas is going to make everyone believers that they are national championship contenders this year. 
the winner of this game is definitely going to be considered a favorite for a national championship because if Oklahoma figures out a way to beat Texas, they're pretty much going to be vaulted into the top five. I don't think there's a reason to justify them not. Would you agree? Yeah, and then Jake, who do they play after that? They play Kansas, which is tough. UCF, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, TCU. They won't yeah, have but, another bad matchup until the Big 12 championship where they probably play Texas again. Yeah, I mean, at Kansas could be difficult. At BYU could definitely be difficult. I, Oklahoma State's not very good. West Virginia's showing to be a little bit more. TCU, I think Jerry might still be out on them a little bit. But, you know, it, it's definitely no glaring matchups left on the schedule. And, you know, Texas, same thing, you know, both both of them should cruise almost into a rematch in the Big Twelve Championship because the schedule is not difficult for them. Neither of them play a ranked team remaining, at least currently ranked. Kansas could find their way back into the rankings. Kansas State could somehow find a way to get ranked. So there's still a chance. But I think we're gonna see a rematch of this in December when the Big Twelve Championship rolls around. For sure. And the game could go very different the second time around. Oklahoma's defense is vastly improved. That is one thing that they were absolutely terrible with last year. And Brent Venables being a defensive guy, I'm sure that ate him up. But last year, you know, they were allowing 40 points to multiple teams. Texas Tech scored 50 on them. Baylor scored 38. TCU scored 50. Kansas State scored 40. You know, Kansas scored 40 on them. It just was not a good situation for them last year. And I think at least it's a positive movement for them where they're seeing low scores. You, know, you shut out Arkansas State, you hold an SMU to 11. You've held every team under 20 points. Iowa State was the first one to score 20 points on you, and you also beat them by 30 points. So you know, there's definitely a little bit of merit to that. Now, they did score 20 points in the first half before they finally shut them down. It was 21 to 20 in the second quarter. But it's still a good sign seeing them hold teams and – if they can find a way to limit the passing attack, that is going to be absolutely huge because of just the amount of weapons Texas has on the offensive side of the ball. There, you can only slow down so many guys at one time when you get into Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittingham, and then you get into the rushing attack as well. Like They've got to figure out a way to limit the big plays because that's how Texas beat Alabama. They they found explosive plays, and you know they were riding off that. So... If they can find a way to limit those, I could see Oklahoma having a chance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, let's see Xavier Worthy. If he, if he does, if he has a bad game, Oklahoma's right in there. Exactly, exactly. So, second game, you know, we go from the future SEC teams to the current SEC schools. Alabama versus A and M this weekend to me has huge implications because a the winner of this is going to be in the driver's seat for the SEC West. LSU is just not looking good, who was my preseason pick. And the winner of this is going to be undefeated in the SEC with a very good shot of making the SEC championship. Alabama, if they lose, there's going to be a lot of critics saying this is the downfall of Saban. A&M, if they lose, there's going to be a lot of people saying Jimbo Fisher needs to go. <laughs> what storyline are we going to be hearing? <sighs> This one's tough. So, so the biggest matchup that I want to watch this weekend, Jake, is is the offense line for Alabama versus the defensive line for Texas A&M. This this was a terrifying stat if I'm a Crimson Tide fan. 
they have the second worst sack rate in the nation. Their offensive line does. So they give up the second most sacks per pass play in the nation. You know who the number one team in the nation, number one defensive line in the nation in sacks per pass play is? Is it A&M? It is Texas A&M. And they're going to Aggieland. They're going to College Station. That scares me a little bit. However, I'm not sold on Texas A&M. I'm really not. I know they just got through beating Arkansas pretty handedly, but I just I, I can't bet against Nick Saban. I, is that Saint Nick? I mean, you can't go against him. I, I just I feel like Alabama's going to make a prove it game here. I think Jalen Miller is going to take a step forward here. They're going to have to be able to throw the ball deep, and if they can give Jalen Miller a second, or if they, you know, the, the, man, this game's tough. This game is really tough. It, it's a flip of the coin. There's a reason Vegas has it at minus one and a half. I just my gut just tells me Alabama, and my gut just tells me Alabama's going to figure it out in this game, and that Texas A&M is just going to continue being Texas A&M. ESPN's analytics, which are scientifically never wrong, as we all know, they're <laughs> they're never wrong. Give Alabama a sixty-six point three percent chance to win, and A&M a thirty-three point seven. And <laughs> we know those are never never wrong. And to me, you know, one of the concerns is still. Alabama's offense you know they beat Mississippi State this past weekend but once again like it's still not like a super impressive performance like if you go and dive into the stats a little bit more like Jalen Monroe yes he was he was fine he went 10 of 12 but he only threw the ball 12 times for 168 64 yards he was more versatile with his legs he ran for 70 yards scored two touchdowns I, I'm just I'm not sure if Alabama gets into a game when Jalen Milrow has to throw the ball, if they can win the game. That is a concern I have. I think he is very versatile with his legs. I think he is dynamic when he runs the ball. The problem is he does not have the arm talent the last few quarterbacks had. When you talk about Tua, we talk about Jalen Hurts even, when you talk about Mac Jones, when you talk about Bryce Young, he just is not the same quarterback. And sometimes I feel like they're trying to make that still be a thing. They understand he is lethal rushing the ball, but I don't know. It's just, I'm not confident in him being a drop back passer and being in a position where he needs to drive his team down the field to win the game. Yeah. No. And, and like, again, my mind keeps telling me Texana, but the, the, the biggest thing that's, that's keeping me on the on Alabama and thing and not buying into that Texas A&M defense is, they almost gave up half a half a hundo against Miami, and no no disrespect to Miami, but Miami is not some world beaters on offense. Tyler Van Dyke is good, not great. It's not like he, it's not like he's going out there to win the Heisman this year, and they dropped forty eight on that defense. So I mean, you just have to be a serviceable quarterback and and hit your guys. So I think Jalen Milrow is able to do that. I think he is. A and M also seems to always play. Alabama, very, very tough. That's true. You look at the last few matchups, AM last three lost by four. 2021, AM wins by three. 2020, Alabama just throttled them. They won by, uh, what is it, like 28 or 38? Won by a bunch, nearly 30, 28 points. The last couple matchups have been very, very close. And it just seems like consistently AM finds a way to keep this game closer than it should, even if the talent doesn't match up. I think Vegas also understands that this game being played in college station 
is huge. If this game was at Alabama, I would feel much more confident. But I wouldn't be shocked, especially with how bad Alabama's offensive line has been. You got to remember, Texas A&M, like two years ago, recruited all of those five-star defensive ends. Well, all those guys are now playing. And, you know, there's a reason why they're getting a bunch of sacks. It's because these guys are just getting into the backfield. You know, Shamar Turner was a five-star. Walter Nolan was a five-star. Shamar, Stu- or Shamar Stewart was a five-star. Shamar Turner, I don't know where he was. But they've got all these guys that are just getting into the backfield at this point because they're crazy talented. And I think they're going to get in the backfield. The question is, does Alabama find a way to get around that, knowing that their offensive line is a liability? We're going to learn. We're going to learn real quick. And we're also going to learn about Georgia. If Georgia can somehow win by the skin of their teeth again against Kentucky, or if they can find a way to actually be dominant against a good team. Yeah. And this is just another one of those games where I'm like, man, do I know ball at all? Like, because everything tells me that Georgia's going to dominate this game. But then, then you see Kentucky and what they do to Florida last week. I mean, they just boat raced them, they out physical them, they outran them, they outpassed them, they did. They outcoached them in every which way they beat Florida last week. And if that same Kentucky team from last week plays that same Georgia team from last week, I think Kentucky could beat them. And again, my heart's like, go Kentucky, go Kentucky, go Kentucky. My brain's like, you can't go against Georgia. How do you go against Georgia? I mean, they're the defending champs. They're going to find a way to win. Oh, my gosh. this is It's tough. And, and somehow, somehow, Kentucky is 14.5-point underdogs. Vegas knows something because they've been loving that 14-point line for Georgia games this year. And Ray Davis had his coming out party last week, but he's not a hidden commodity heading into this week. There's no way Georgia glosses over the guy who rushes for almost 300 yards against Kentucky or against Florida. Guy averaged 11 yards carry. He got a first down every time he touched the ball. Scores four touchdowns. There's not just, oh, we'll forget about him. So he's definitely going to be a focal part. And, you know, when I look at Kentucky, I thought Devin Leary was going to be really good this year. I thought Devin Leary was going to come over, have a Will Levis kind of situation, but I thought he was actually going to be a little bit better than Levis. And he's been kind of disappointing if you look at it. You know, he's, I mean, he only had to throw the ball 19 times last week, but that helps when you have a running back that goes for 300 yards. <laughs> but, you know, he's thrown an interception in every game except the last one. You know, they haven't played great teams. Vanderbilt, Akron, Eastern Kentucky, and Ball State by no means are barn burners. But then they absolutely go out and demolish Florida. You know, they won by a larger margin than they did against Eastern Kentucky. That's just college football and how weird it is sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all how you can beat Florida by a larger margin than you beat Eastern Kentucky. (laughs) <laughs> but that's why the transitive property does not work in college football and why anybody that says, well, so-and-so beat so-and-so, transitive property does not work. Well, you can't sleep on the kernels, and the transitive property has to work, Jake. That's how UCF got a national championship. Sure, if we want to dive into that one. My Eastern and Kentucky fried chicken kernels, I mean, they, they, they come to play. Eastern Kentucky, I, I can't even repeat that. It was a mouthful. Eastern Kentucky kernels. A little fried chicken action, KFC, Kentucky fried chicken. 
I don't know. You think it was based in Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky? I mean, because you got Western Kentucky out there too, but they're the Hilltoppers. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah. And what the hell is that mascot? I love him. I love Big Red. But what is that? He's just a red blob. He's just loving life. You, you, how can you discipline Big Red? He's he just out there loving life, living in a good time. Nobody can be hating on Big Red. Oh, I'm not hating. I love me some Big Red, but whoever came out with that definitely has been living in the in the hills of Kentucky their whole life. Are there any other games for this weekend that really stick out to you? You know, no, not really. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what Michigan does against Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a better team than than people give them credit. It's going to be kind of their first test, but I think they're going to beat the crap out of them. LSU at Missouri, we, you know, maybe, but ah, nothing, nothing I'm concerned about. Besides my Tigers going to the Demon Deacons and favored by 20 points, that's scary. The LSU-Missouri game is interesting to me because LSU is 3-2, and two, and if they lose, there's still going to be voters that are giving them votes to be in the top 25, which is why we need to have people's votes removed. Because I'm sorry, I understand that you played good teams, but if you're 3-3, three and three, you are not worthy of being in the top 25 right now. Oh, yeah. That's my hot take. But anyways, <laughs> I'm not that interested in... I am curious to see if, if Missouri wins that game. I think I'll start taking Missouri seriously. And Missouri could potentially be going in undefeated to play Georgia, as weird as it sounds. <laughs> well, they play Kentucky, then South Carolina, then Georgia. And as weird as that sounds, you could be looking at a top 15 Kentucky or Missouri team playing Georgia. Yeah. And keep an eye on that Syracuse-UNC game. I think I think they might give North Carolina a little run for their money. You know, North Carolina only beat South Carolina by 14 after after sacking the quarterback nine times. I mean, you'd think they'd score a lot more than they did. So I'm going to keep my eye on that game too. Absolutely. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog is the easiest fantasy app where we can make all of our picks for every college football game. No matter the game, it's our home for college fantasy. Sign up today with promo code WALKON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concern with your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ncpgambling.org. All right, so let's jump into our underdog picks. Well, we had another rough week, but... I, I didn't check your picks, but I know I went 0-2 last I week. Went, I went 0-2, and shout I out. I feel underdog. bad. No, no, no. feel great. We're giving underdog money, and this is why they, this is why they sponsor us. Promo code WALKON. Match up to $100. $100. They'll match your deposit up to 100%, up to $100. Go use promo code WALKON. Link is in our bio. Make sure to go check all that out. So I got, we got two more picks for you. Each of us have two more picks. I feel good about mine this week. I feel real good about them. I decided to go away from too much analytic. I thought I was getting too analytical last week and Hudson card really burned me. I wanted to go with two two guys receivers that I think are going to have big games. First one, we kind of mentioned his name earlier already. Xavier worthy. He has 74 hits 74.5 receiving yards. I'm going to take him higher. Both of their big games this year, which are Kansas and Texas. He showed out. He was more than, more than 74 and a half for both of those games. I think he's going to be a focal part of the offense. I know Alabama's going to try to take him away. 
I know that they have a good secondary, but they're going to try to get him the ball in creative ways because he is their best receiver. The second guy I have is Brendan Rice, the wide receiver out of USC. He's hit this in his, he's got 73.5 receiving yards. I'm taking higher on that one. He has hit this in his last three games, and he's also scored in all five games so far this year. So it's very obvious that he is one of the favorite targets for Caleb Williams. The defense isn't doing USC any favors, so they're going to have to continue to score. I think they continue to air the ball out, and Brendan Rice goes higher than 73.5 receiving yards. I like those. I like those. Don't be too confident because we loved our picks last week too, Jake. No, no, no. We just we continue to ride the confidence. Yeah, We're going to ride confidence all year. We're staying high. I'm going Jaden Daniels higher than 63.5 rushing yards. And the reason I'm doing that is opportunity. So besides the Grambling State game, he's he's running the ball 14 times a game. So at 4.7 yards a clip, he's he's bound to get about 70 yards this game. They're playing Missouri. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. And I think he's going to have to use his legs to kind of, you know, make that defense stay honest. So I'm going Jaden Daniels higher than 63.5 yards rushing. And C.J. Baxter, a little spicy, got the little pepper on this one, guys. Higher than a half a rushing touchdown or reception touchdown, uh, and or, excuse me. And the, the reason I do that, Jake, you get down the red zone, you don't want Quinn Ewers running the ball. Xavier Worthy is not a red zone threat. He is a deep threat. And Jatavion Sanders, the tight end for Texas, might be out. If he's out in this game, I think Baxter can at least get his second touchdown of the year. Call me crazy. I like it. Call me wrong. I like it. Going with it. That's why it's spicy. I like it. I, I like. I think the Texas is going to, if they're they're going to score points, I'm pretty confident they're going to score points, and I think Oklahoma's defense is going to try to limit the big plays, and they're going to have to move the ball a little slower. And when you do that, you're going to get inside the ten, inside the five, and you're going to look to your running back. You know, I could also see a situation where you know a check down from you know the ten yard line, yeah. and finds a way into the end zone. Listen, people, we are experts. You just got to go with us or fade it. William played football. You got to listen to him. He, he played Division One football. Right, yeah. So I, I know what I'm talking about. I, I haven't been wrong yet this year. Yeah, if, as long as you don't include the last bunch of weeks. Well, no, we, well, no when we talk about them the following week, we're always right with, with the stats. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's jump into our 10 games for this weekend. We've got a good slate of games this weekend. I'm actually really excited for these games. The first one we have here is a noon game. We have Maryland traveling to Ohio State. I'll actually be in attendance for this game. Yep, so Kirk Ohio Kirk State Street, you is... Can't, you can't bet on this one. It's Kirk oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Ohio State is a 19.5 point favorite over the Terrapins. I think the Tortoises lose this race. I think Ohio State covers. I have them winning by 21, so I'm not going to say go Buckeyes, but go Buckeyes. You just said it. So we talked about this before the show, and Maryland hasn't played anybody nearly the caliber of Ohio State. They played Charlotte. They played Virginia. They played Indiana. They basically played the bottom dwellers of the Big Ten and bottom dwellers of other conferences. Charlotte's not good. Virginia is terrible. Indiana is terrible. I think they played Furman as well. Michigan State, like just not good teams. And Ohio State at this point, I would consider them to be battle tested. 
if you go into Notre Dame and win the way they did, to me, that is battle tested. And I don't think there's going to be a hangover because you had a bye week there. So I think Vegas likes this for a reason. I think Ohio State comes out here and wins by, like you said, at least three touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being closer to four touchdowns. Now, Maryland did keep it close last year against Ohio State, but that was in Maryland, and Ohio State's defense was bad. I think the defense is vastly improved like we've seen, and little Tonga Vailoa does not find the success he had the last couple of weeks. Going to skip our other new big noon game right now. I want to wait till after the end. Let's go LSU versus Missouri. This game has LSU as a five and a half point favorite this weekend. You know, I've got LSU winning this game by seven points. I think their defense has been atrocious this year. They can't stop the pass, but I just think that offense is too much for Missouri. I'm going with go with LSU minus five and a half. I'm going to differ from you here. I think Missouri wins this game. Oh. Five and a half is close. I think this game being played in Columbia, Missouri is huge. Luther Burden has been an absolute monster so far this year. He has continued to show out week after week. I think this is another week where he just is on top of his game. He's got 644 receiving yards. He's one of the top in the country. He's got 43 receptions already. The dude has 11 and 10 catches in the last two weeks. He has fell short of 100 yards once, and he had 96 yards that week. He is going to get the ball. They're going to look to get him in creative ways. And I think he, like, single-handedly helps beat LSU. I think the guy just has a monster game. I think he has, like, 150 yards, two touchdowns, and just helps Missouri win. Next game we got, we're going out west. We got number 13, Washington State, traveling to UCLA. Chip Kelly and the Bruins are three-and-a-half-point favorites over Cam Ward. What do you say about that? I think Vegas is missing one. This is a, this is a trap, and I'm going to fall for it. Wazoo, baby. Cam Ward, plus three-and-a-half. I don't know how anybody can pick against Washington State right now because, Can't to do me, they are, they are one of the most exciting teams in the country. Cam Ward is he, – he is one of the most underrated players in the country, even after – the couple weeks of hype. I think this is another chance for him to have a statement win, another chance for him to bump up in the Heisman rankings. This is locker room. This is this is locker room material right here. This is bulletin board shit. Like you're going on the road, you're ranked, you're undefeated against the UCLA team. You're underdogs. Give me Wazoo. We have a Saturday afternoon game between Alabama, which we talked about already, and Texas AM. Like we said, it's a pick'em. Alabama's favored by a point and a half. By the time this line comes out on Saturday, it could be even closer. Roll tide. See you, Jimbo. Goodbye to Jimbo. I'm going to go against the grain here with you. I'm, I'm going to take Texas A&M. I think that defensive line is going to put too much pressure on Jalen Milrow. We've seen teams that have been able to put pressure on them to make the game way closer than it should. I think AM does enough. I think they get the pressure. I think they get a couple turnovers, and I think they win this game. Next one, you mentioned it already. Syracuse is traveling to North Carolina. UNC is an eight and a half point favorite on Saturday. UNC has played a decent schedule. They they beat 
beat Minnesota pretty good, 31-13. They beat Pitt pretty good, so 41-24. And then they ran into a bye week. So they, it seemed like the offense was finally released it, starting to get going, and the defense was playing a little bit better. But they struggled against Appalachian State for the second year in a row. And then I wasn't overly impressed in that South Carolina game. Yes, they got nine sacks on defense, but they were only able to win by 14. The offense kind of sputtered in that game, and that South Carolina defense is not anyone to write home about. I'm going to have to go with Syracuse plus eight and a half. You know, there was something I saw on that Orange team last week that just, you know, makes me want to go with them this week. And I think they're, I don't think they win per se, but I, I think it's going to be a one score game. Yeah, I, I think this line is just about perfect for where it's going to be. I think North Carolina is going to have this be closer than they're wanting to be. I think Syracuse has, it wouldn't shock me if Syracuse has the lead at halftime. But I think North Carolina finds a way to pull way late. Drake May is not having the season he wants to, but all it takes is one moment, one game to completely flip that switch, and all of a sudden you're back on track. So give me North Carolina by eight and a half. Not confident in that pick. It might be my least confident pick out of all of these. All right, Kentucky travels to Georgia. They are 14 and a half point favorites in Athens. Do the dogs cover 14 and a half or do they struggle again? I think the cats, I think the cats going to cover this one. I don't think they win. I think Georgia wins another one, but I think it's a 10 point game. I, I just think 14 and a half is too much for, for how this Georgia offense has looked. I think Brock Bowers is going to show up. I think the defense is going to play well, but I think Kentucky is going to score enough, enough, excuse me, wrong vowel to keep them in the game against this Georgia team. And who's been sleepwalking all year and, I don't, I don't see any sign of them not turning that around anytime soon. So I'm on Kentucky to cover Georgia to win. If the Auburn game isn't a wake-up call for them, I don't know when it's going to come. Kentucky has a chance to actually beat them. I don't think they will. I don't think Kentucky has the firepower to do it. But I think Georgia is still sleepwalking in this game. At home against South Carolina, I get it was in the rain. They struggled. UAB put up a fight against them early. Auburn had the lead for a decent portion of the early part of the game. I think Kentucky finds a way to keep this game closer than it should be. And I think, you know, 10 points makes sense. It wouldn't shock me if Georgia goes up, you know, 14, 17 points and Kentucky has a last-minute cover or vice versa. If it's a seven-point game, they kick a field goal to put it out of the range. But I don't see this game reaching 17, 20 points. I think Kentucky covers this. We have a Saturday night game between Notre Dame and Louisville. Notre Dame is once and a half, once again, a six and a half point favorite, which I believe is what they were last week against Duke. Not on the road. To, oh, you're right. It was five and a half. But this week we got six and a half. Louisville's also undefeated. Does Notre Dame find a way to cover six and a half points over Louisville? I think they do. I mean, just like last time, last week, I, I think. Their name crushes them, but God, I, I, I apparently can't have, don't have a read on this Notre Dame team if this happens again. But I, I'm going with Notre Dame minus six and a half. I think they went big, but we're going to find out what Louisville's made of for sure. Louisville confuses me because they've had games where you know they look like a really good team, but then they play you know quote unquote bad teams and. They just aren't able to put it together. You know, this team struggled mightily against NC State. And this isn't the same NC State team. NC State replaced their quarterback halfway through this game. And they only scored 13 points. 
Indiana, they only won 21 to 14. Georgia Tech, they only won by five. Like, I, I don't know what I don't know what the read is on this. I think maybe there's some confidence from Louisville to be able to keep this close, but I'm not buying it. I, I think Notre Dame is a better team. This isn't even really a look-ahead game because you're on the road against a ranked team. I don't think this is any bit of a look-ahead game. I just think Notre Dame is going to win by you know 14 to 17 points. Sam Hartman's playing before. He's familiar. Oh, I guess it's the new, new regime. Uh, staff, so. uh, yeah, but he has played. I'm guessing he's played in Louisville. He played at Wake Forest for 46 years. <laughs> we got a group of five game, which could potentially be one of the best games of the whole weekend. This could be the game that determines which group of five team goes to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Fresno State, number 24, Fresno State, traveling to Wyoming. Wyoming is four and one with their only loss being at Texas. And they gave the Longhorns all they could handle for three quarters. Yes, they did. Fresno is a six and a half point favorite in this game. And I'm going to have to go with that. I, I think Fresno State, what they've shown me so far this year is that they're able to compete with essentially anybody. I mean, they, they've, they've played a power five team, they handle their business, they, they've played group of five teams they've handled their business i mean they beat down arizona state and they struggled a little bit against a little bit against purdue but i just think they handle business it's really tough because i want to go my, with my cow pokes love wyoming I, I don't know i i'm just i really i'm really digging this fresno state team yeah fresno went to overtime with eastern washington which was interesting but you could say it was sandwiched in between two power five games between Purdue and Arizona state. So like in theory, that was a look ahead game because Fresno state would be wanting to get up for Arizona state. Right. I, I like what Fresno is doing the last three weeks. They've allowed a total of 19 points between Arizona state, Kent state, and Nevada, Wyoming. When you start digging into the stats, they're not elite at either offense or defense. They just kind of find ways to win games. And I think their luck runs out. I think Fresno State wins this game. You just need a touchdown, and I like Fresno in this one. The other game we have here is we have a group of five versus power five. I want to to try to mix in some of these a little more. Uh, I'm trying to diverse our games. I'm not trying to just pick 10 power five games. So we have Marshall traveling to NC State. Marshall is actually undefeated. NC State has two losses. And NC State's a six and a half point favorite on Saturday. Not only, well, and NC State has just changed their quarterback. They went with the Morris kid. I'm forgetting his first name. MJ Morris is what MJ his name Morris. Is. And which I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. There's got to be a reason he wasn't starting over Brendan Armstrong. I don't know. But uh, I, I, I'm curious to see what this new look NC State offense looks like. However, this NC State team struggled against UConn. You know, they, start, they they lost to Louisville by three points. They almost lost to Virginia. They had to come back and win against Virginia, who's abysmal this year. Marshall beat Virginia Tech. Marshall beat Old Dominion. And Marshall beat East, East, East Carolina, who's a pretty good team. I'm going Marshall plus six and a half. Yeah, Marshall beat Virginia Tech to me, which is like, the most damning out of all of this. Virginia Tech still is not a great team, but beating a Power 5 team, technically, well, they beat them at home, which is interesting. Virginia Tech traveled to Marshall. But I like what this Marshall team has. They're an intriguing team. 
you know, they find a way to run the ball pretty well. They're averaging 4.3 yards per carry. You know, their their quarterback isn't an all-world beater. He's only thrown four touchdowns. You know, Cam Fancher has only thrown four touchdowns, four interceptions. But they their running attack, Rashid Ali is one of the most underrated running backs in the country, honestly, because he plays in the group of five. You know, he's been there a bunch of years. You know, against Virginia Tech, he went for 174 yards, two touchdowns. He has had at least two touchdowns in every single game this year. He went 2-3-2-2. Two, two, two. He is the heart and soul of that offense. I think this game is big for them. I mean, if they win this game, you know, we talked about Fresno and Wyoming playing for a group of five bid. Marshall's right in that mix, too, at 5-0. and Yeah, for sure. So I am going to take Marshall as well. And that takes us to our mid game of the week, the oh, Red River Rivalry shoot. Would you like to tell the the five star listeners what uh what our little wager is at the end, by the end oh, of the year on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So right now we went and tallied our picks for this weekend for the year. I have twenty three wins. William has twenty five. The winner is going to get a six pack of beer. We can say beer on this podcast from. The other ones, local, region, state, whatever you can find. So when I win, I'm going to get some South Carolina beer because I'm definitely making a comeback here. Now, if William were to win somehow, you know, there's, there's plenty of breweries around here. I'll find some sort of six pack and ship it down to him. But when I win, I can't wait to drink some South Carolina beer. <laughs> I'm excited for some Ohio beer. Never had it, you know, but it's, I can't it's wait. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. We've got so many great breweries up here. Maybe even if I win, I would still send you down something, you know, just because so you can taste what victory would taste like. Yeah, just one, though. Just one. Just one, a single beer. Just a single beer. Yeah. <laughs> so Texas and Oklahoma playing in Dallas this weekend. I forget if they play at the Cotton Bowl or where they play, if they play at Jerry World at this point. But I know they play in Dallas at the Texas State Fair. And Texas is a six and a half point favorite this weekend. Does Quinn Ewers take care of business or is Dylan Gabriel? I think Quinn Ewers takes care of business. I think they end up winning by double digits. I think this is going to be a good game. But I think I think Texas wins by at least 10. They're just, that, that, that roster is just too complete. They're just too much for Oklahoma. And I think Oklahoma is a year away from being legit. You know, they are good this year. I think they're going to stumble against Texas. They might stumble again down the stretch, maybe against Kansas if Jaden Daniels is, is is healthy. But I don't know. Six and a half points I don't think is enough for, for this Longhorns team. I'm actually going to take Oklahoma to cover. I, I think that the rivalry aspect will come in here. I, I think Texas wins this game still. But I could see this coming down to a last-second field goal or coming down to the last two minutes of the game. The rivalry aspect always just adds a bigger question mark in there. You never know what you're going to get out of these teams. There's been plenty of years where the underdog comes out on top. I don't think that happens, but I think Oklahoma keeps this game way closer. I think the defense is vastly improved where it's not going to be a 49 nothing shutout. I think that if I was a betting man, which I am, <laughs> I'm more inclined to take the under 60 and a half because I think that the defenses are going to play a bigger part. I think Oklahoma's defense versus Texas offense is a major key. 
I think Oklahoma's ability to try to score is going to be crucial. I don't know if they're going to be able to get to over 30 points. I think the the final score for this could be like a 31-27, which would put you just under 60 and a half points. I like it. We got five different teams, five different five different picks this week, so there's some ground to be made. There's definitely some ground to be made up. We got one question from our fans this weekend. So Jeffrey Darlin, Hefe underscore Wisen, loved it, big beer guy, asked, is Kansas a better job than Michigan State right now? Absolutely, in my opinion. You're in the Big 12. The Big 12 is expanding. Um, I, I'm assuming that you're you're coming at the angle that does Lance Leopold leave for Michigan State. And I think the, the proof is in the pudding with Kansas, and they've They've shown they're they're willing to invest. They're they're willing to put into this Kansas football program, and you have the chance to be the guy instead of a guy. I mean, Michigan State has some history, and but you know, at Kansas, there's not much history in with that football team. So you can go and be the guy, and really turn that team around, and and you know, and, and you're not having to compete with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State year in year out. I mean. You're, you might be the top dog in the Big 12 next year, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. I, so I think the competitor in Lance Leopold might see the Michigan State as more lucrative because it's like, hey, I can take that program and I'm competing against bigger dogs and bigger fights. And, you know, but I also think, you know, him being at Kansas, he's probably could have left by now already. If you're going to leave, I don't think you're going to leave for this Michigan State job. That's That's my opinion. I think you're going to take a more lucrative job. You're going to wait for a job to open up that's, I mean, not that Michigan State's a bad job. I just think there's better jobs to be had in the future, and you're not going to leave what you've what you've created in Kansas at this point for that. Yeah, I think with the controversy surrounding Michigan State, I don't know if I were in a position like Lance Leipold if I were going to look to leave for that job. Also, with the Big Ten expanding, now all of a sudden you not only do you have to play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State – you're now having to compete against USC, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, which just makes the job that much harder. With an expanded college ball playoff coming, you might only need to be the second best team in the Big 12 to make the college football playoff with how rankings will go. Because the, you have to think the Big 12 or the Big 10 and the SEC are going to beat each other up because you have so many good teams in them every year. So it's going to be hard to win at Michigan state with the current state and you have Kansas in a very good spot. Are you looking to go and rebuild a program like that? If I were him, I would stay at Kansas. Kansas obviously has the funds. They have support because I mean, they're the, in theory, they're the greatest college basketball program in the history of the sport. They've had like eight coaches in the history of college basketball, which there are some college basketball programs that basically have had eight coaches since 2000 and they've had like eight since basketball was created, <laughs> which is astronomical. Kansas football might've had eight coaches since 2000. Now that I think about it. Yeah. So for them, Kansas has to find a way to pony up the money. They definitely have it. There's definitely support there. Pony it up, make sure that you keep them around because you've got a good one. Don't let money be the reason why Michigan state comes and gets them because they have the funds. They fired Mel Tucker. They're attempting to fire him for cause. 
which would free up his $10 million a year. Now that came from boosters, but that means that the boosters could go and get who they want. And if they're yeah. willing to go give Leipold $10 million, not saying Kansas has to match that, but at least make it interesting enough where he's got to think about it and he'll take it. Maybe he would take a little bit of discount to stay. Yeah. Well, that has been another episode of the walk on red shirts. Make sure to go and follow us on all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, uh, we have YouTube, Facebook. Uh, make sure to go check out Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code WALKON. Get 100% of your deposit matched up to $100. Use promo code WALKON, one word, all caps. And you can also tail our picks this weekend. We'll also make sure we have them out on Twitter for you to see. Um, make sure to like, subscribe, and rate the podcast as well. Rating the podcast is great for us. Helps us continue to build the community we have. Uh, with that being said, I hope everybody has a great weekend of college football.